On Podcast 1761, the ID3 gets a facelift, the Abarth 500E arrives this summer, and the Polestar 5 gets spied. If you're thinking there's no Tesla in that headline, there's been a lot going on with the Tesla special event, which was really late my time last night. I've digested it all over three hours, investor event, Q&A at the end. Um, Long on vision, short on detail is my one-sentence summary. But I'm going to put out a special podcast later on today that could be five minutes or it could be 25 minutes with just what I pick out from the Tesla special event. Um, I don't think it'll be a massive show, but otherwise this would end up like a really long podcast. So that's where the Tesla news will be today. Check your feed. Uh, We're trying a new thing as well, so you know when to get a show. It's 5 p.m. UK time. That's midday Eastern every day. Patreon supporters get the episodes, though, as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. We'll start with the Polestar 5. Camouflage prototype has been seen on camera during a test drive in Europe, giving us a glimpse of what to expect of the final product. It's sleek, it's sporty, long bonnet, a long hood out the front, and a sloping roof line. The provisional headlights don't look like the real deal. I think they'll get changed. The rear headlight, the rear lights have a boomerang shape, and they have some large wheels with the low ride height on this so all about performance all about handling up against the model s and the lucid air if you ask me no details yet on the powertrain you'd think maybe three to 350 miles would be essential in that segment and you would think that uh, fast charging and dual motor setup all you know all standard kind of 400 kilowatts of motor power that kind of stuff that's sort of 530 odd horsepower to attract buyers for that kind of car Now, big news for buyers of Volkswagen's ID3. The official facelift has now happened. We've seen a few teaser shots over the last couple of days. Volkswagen uh, just unveiled the facelift of the ID3, which they call the second gen of that car. Subtle changes, uh, but also a comprehensive upgrade on the software, driver assist, and interior and exterior tweaks, most visible being the front bumper with bigger air coolings different aero wheels, uh, different mats and silver trim in places, new colours to pick from. And the system, the infotainment system, features a new menu structure and improved EV route planner. The facelifted ID3 has the same technical specs. Motors, batteries, range, 58 kilowatt hours or 77 kilowatt hours. Uh, DC fast charging the big battery will go to 80%, 5 to 80, not 10 to 80, 5 to 80% in half an hour at 170 kilowatts peak. The smaller battery, 58 kilowatt hour, needs 35 minutes and will peak at 120. So you can see if you can wait five more minutes, you don't need the big battery if you've got a decent charging infrastructure. It's going to arrive with customers sometime Q4. Hopefully that won't spill into next year. Uh, The car comes with functions on demand, they say, to increase flexibility for customers. Things like dual zone climate control and upgrades to the nav. Look, I really don't like the the way connected cars are going. I already pay a Netflix subscription. Why have I now got to subscribe to if I want dual zone heating in my car? Come on, car makers! I don't like the way it's going, but I suspect we're going to get a lot more of this. Base model, by the way, 58 kilowatt hour. Base model in Germany, 44,000 euros. That, start, that car started at 30 grand when it arrived on the scene. Uh, VW says the semiconductor crisis and raw material prices are responsible. 
Staying with VW, Cariad, the software company owned by them, has launched a new app store developed with Harman, a Samsung company. Uh, it'll start with Audi models this July. The store will offer apps from VW brands, Audi, Porsche, Volkswagen, and third-party content to give you functions, music, video gaming, different navigation, parking, charging, weather, remote working... I can't think of another car maker that would do that. Oh, yeah, that would be Tesla. Uh, they, they haven't got an app store, but they certainly are very feature-rich on those kind of things. And Cariad, Volkswagen software company, catching up. And, uh, yeah, let's hope they do it in, uh, in, a really decent, in a really decent way. Looking forward to seeing what they unveil. Kia is gearing up to unveil their EV9. We saw some spy shots over the last couple of days uh, on Instagram. Maybe it was a filming day because the car looked, well, had no camouflage on. And so it looked like the concept car. And I think maybe Kia's PR bit the bullet and we're like, OK, let's send out our own pictures. So we've been sent pictures of the Kia EV9 now, the big SUV. It's launching this month in March. It'll be up against the Model X, the Range Rover, that kind of cross-shopping. Largest model yet released by Kia. It'll sit at the top of their EV range on the EGMP platform that we've seen on the Ionic 5, Ionic 6, GV60, etc. The Kia EV9 is the first to offer their autonomous driving technology and, they say, features on demand. No! No! (laughs) Just ship the car with heated seats! Don't make me pay for hot bum! Um, I don't don't know, by the way, if heated seats are in the features. That was a a BMW or a Mercedes thing, wasn't it? But Oh, my goodness. Um, It will have two specifications available from launch, dual motor, four-wheel drive range topper, and a single motor entry-level version. Some aspects of the concept car won't make it to production. You won't be surprised to hear the rear-hinged doors and lack of B-pillar haven't made it through. But honestly, it looks like the concept car. I'm absolutely loving Hyundai Kia Genesis at the minute because they put a concept out there and it all looks a bit weird and funky and interesting. And then they go and release the car and it's all a bit weird and funky and interesting, but not crazy. So... I think it's going to go down really well. It looks really, really cool. Uh, the It's described as a close preview by their design chief, Gregory Guillaume. Uh, details like range and price, uh, we get them at the end of March. Here's an interesting development in the US. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration may require all EVs made since 1997 to have the pedestrian warning sound. Well, What does that mean? Uh, It comes after the agency launched an investigation following a petition submitted last year which suggested they should treat all vehicles without the pedestrian warning as a safety defect. If it's passed, the car makers themselves, not the actual customers, not you, not the car owner, would have to have the car recalled and have some sort of speaker fitted somewhere that made a noise at low speed. This would be hugely expensive for smaller car makers, has massive implications for the industry and for the inconvenience of not having your car. But you know what? People do walk out in front of EVs. You know where? Supermarket car parks. Ten times out of ten. I don't know what it is. People crossing the road look for cars. People in supermarket car parks use their ears. This is my theory. This is my wild theory. Way more than looking because it's always in a supermarket car park that someone steps in front of me and then and then they do the whole stop and jump back because they weren't expecting an electric vehicle. So, yeah, the pedestrian warning thing, it's really important. But going back to 1997 for cars that never had it, I don't see, honestly, who's going to pay for that, how it's going to work. No, that's not going to happen. But we'll, we'll watch this space, as they say. 
Now, Jaguar Land Rover owner Tata Motors wants £500 million of government money in the UK for a new battery factory, which could be a pivotal decision for the future of the UK car industry as they're choosing between either putting this factory in Somerset or Spain. Um, Both beautiful places, by the way. Uh, And um, UK ministers have been given weeks to find the money, the aid sought by Tata Motors, grants, support packages, energy cost assistance. The decision on whether Jaguar Land Rover build batteries in the UK or Spain really will depend on whether the UK has much of a car industry left. Now, the government here have put aside £850 million to attract battery makers and and other financial support schemes, but nothing's really working. There's investments from Nissan, Stellantis and Ford in EV technology, but still the UK has struggled to attract big EV companies. Now, there's down under in Australia, in Victoria, there is a controversial EV tax called the Zero and Low Emission Vehicle Road User Charge. It's just called the EV tax. And if you're an EV driver, you pay 2.6 cents for every kilometre driven, uh, whether inside or outside the state. Introduced in July 2021, it uh, has a different rate for plug-in hybrids. It's been called the world's worst EV policy. And I'll tell you why. According to a report today, 243 EVs have been deregistered or registrations have been cancelled. The reporting process is laborious. You have to submit a photo of your um, odometer every year to calculate how much tax you owe. And one driver claimed the tax led to her registration being cancelled without her knowledge even as she continued to drive unregistered for six months. It's an unpopular tax now facing a high court challenge for what people argue is an unconstitutional charge. And if it is unconstitutional, then it will be abolished. And the South Australian government fulfilled its election promise recently to scrap the state EV tax, as the Labour Party considers taxes to be a betrayal of the pursuit of clean energy solutions. That... It does sound massively frustrating if it's if it's on you every year to send a picture of how many miles you've driven in state or out state or wherever. Uh, I mean, there's got to be ways in the future that we collect road tax or here we have the you know vehicle excise duty as it's called. We call it the road tax. Um, nothing to pay on EVs yet, but that's coming in to keep you know upkeep of roads what's upkeep of roads people say as they crash across the next pothole yes don't get me started right coming soon uh, we'll talk genesis and sodium ion batteries and mini countrymen's but stay there because i'll be back in a second and if you want this podcast ad free uh, you can become a supporter of the show and the work that i do here it's the only way that i make any money which is uh, to support the podcast patreon and the ads on the free version and so if you want to get rid of the ads you can go to patreon.com slash evnewsdaily sign up five ten dollars many people support at a higher level and uh, and you can support this show back in a second now let's talk a little bit about the Abarth 500e the italian brand don't call it a fiat 500e it's the Abarth 500e Abarth fans will will have me for saying it's a fiat uh, it is the fiat 500e but it's not um it uses a more responsive motor it's got more power 35 horsepower more actually and it's got a, the same 42 kilowatt hour battery 62 miles an hour reached in seven seconds and loads of ev punch low center of gravity wider track improved handling and this thing just looks so much fun it also has an artificial petrol soundtrack which i hope you can turn off because we don't want it our bar says it's a distinctive characteristic of the brand 
Yeah, I get it. But that just sounds like it's come from a focus group. You sit down with a bunch of people who like, you know, rorty, rorty, noisy exhaust. Say, what do you want from a car? And they go, oh, the sound is really important. But when someone drives an EV, all the other bits are way more important. The responsiveness and the comfort and the smoothness and and all of that. And you don't, like, at no point have I ever driven an EV going, well, this car would be so much better if it went vroom. Uh, the Arbath uh, CEO, Oliver Francois, said the new car, one of the most exciting launches in the history of the brand, comes out in June and starts at £38,000. Genesis is looking to expand their presence in the UK. They want partners to collaborate with the brand for 15 new retail sites, and they operate two sales centres in London. There's an Edinburgh one coming as well soon. They focus on their own facilities, is shifting towards working with retail partners. And that makes sense because their cars are expensive. I've seen a couple of GV60s around, and whenever I see them, firstly, Hello, lovely. Um, it strikes me that it's like an early Tesla buyer. Like you didn't know what you were getting unless you went to go play with a Tesla. But many people bought them without ever having sat in one. And I think that's the case with perhaps some Genesis buyers because you buy them online unless you go to London to go have a look at one uh, or a friend has got one, etc. And Genesis wants partners with an automotive background and customer service experience. They'll reward them based on customer satisfaction scores rather than the volumes or margins they do. The expansion will be mirrored in Germany, and their operations in Switzerland will remain unaffected, they say. Sodium ion batteries seems like it's a recurring theme of this podcast, but once again, another bit of news coming out of China, where uh, the Renault partner Dongfeng has unveiled their sodium ion batteries for EVs to replace lithium ion batteries. Sodium ion batteries have the potential to be lower cost, and of course, remove lithium from the batteries, which recently soared in price, but it has come down. Lately, the company claims sodium ion batteries have a longer lifespan and are safer than using lithium. Renault and Dongfeng have just finished their 10 month trial on these sodium ion batteries in their own EVs and will put them into customer cars, they say, in the near future, is all I know. Of course, there's reducing the dependence on uh, rare earth metals and lithium and easing supply chain problems as well. If sodium ion batteries can be developed and deployed in EVs, they could play a crucial role in making some cheaper EVs on the road as well. And Mini has confirmed the new electric version of the Countryman crossover will go into production this year as part of their push to move to electric using the same powertrain as the BMW iX1. So maybe up to 300 miles of range on that charge with their latest BMW tech. The Countryman is expected to be produced in Oxford in England, where the brand has been making cars since 1959, uh, not only bringing more EVs to the market, but also boosting the UK's automotive sector. But I think it also could be made in, in Germany as well. And that's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. If you're on YouTube, uh, make Make sure you go by Derek Riley's channel if you haven't recently. EV Review Ireland, your reminder to go and subscribe there. Uh, Octopus Electric Universe, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing. There's a self-charging hybrid.